The Bible says there would come a day when there would be a famine in the land. A famine of the hearing of the Word of God. You know, the church of Jesus Christ has a saving message that must be proclaimed to the world. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the message of the church. In the book of Mark, the 16th chapter and the 15th verse, listen to what Jesus said. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, the question that I won't answer is, what is the gospel? You notice, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus. But if you want to know the gospel, what it is, the best place to turn is to Romans 1, and it's chapter... Um, Romans 1, 14 and 15, I believe it is. Romans 1, 14 through 17. Listen to what Paul is saying. Now, you know, he had, he had been a persecutor of the Christians. He had put Christians in jail. He had held Stephen's, the great man of God's coat, when they stoned him to death. He was on the way to Damascus to arrest Christians, to bring them back to Rome, to be jailed or even to be killed. And on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ that transformed his life. And people said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith. Listen to what he said about the gospel. He said in Romans 1.14, I am debtor both to the Greeks, that's anybody that's not a Jew, I'm debtor to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, and to the unwise. And he goes on and says, as much as in me is, I am ready, listen, to preach the gospel. Oh, Paul said, I'm going to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And then he goes on in verse 16. First sermon I ever preached was on this text. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, the gospel is all about Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not a, and the word gospel, here's what I love about it, means good news. In a world full of bad news, glory to God, we need good news. And Jesus is good news. He said, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? And listen to what he says about the gospel. It is the power of God. Wow. You know, the gospel can be preached in places where they've never heard the gospel before. And people all of a sudden feel the quickening of the Holy Spirit and believe the gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen, is powerful. It is powerful. As powerful as anything in this world. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. The gospel of Christ produces salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greeks and the Gentiles. And he's saying the gospel was first preached to the Jews, 
And then God told him after Cornelius to go to the Gentiles. And he says about this gospel of Christ, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, I want to ask you this morning, what is the gospel? You say, Brother Fred, it's, it's the Bible. And by the way, we believe in the old covenant based on law, Exodus 20. And the old covenant was replaced with the new covenant, which was purchased and paid for by the blood of Jesus. So we have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. Now, the gospel is found in the Bible. All of the Bible is the Word of God. All of it. There's no errors. It is infallible, inerrant, unchanging. It is the Word of God. People who say there are errors in it have never read it most of the time. And they've never researched it to find out what God is saying. But the gospel is, the gospel of Jesus Christ is in the Word of God. Now, so what I want to do today, the choir sing about what we believe, and we sing a song about what we believe. I want to clearly define the gospel. Because you know what the Bible does? It warns that in the day in which we live, there will be a false gospel. In fact, the Bible just says, now listen, listen. There are going to be false teachers and false prophets, and they're going to preach a false gospel. The first scripture I want you to look at is Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. And here, listen to what it says. Look what Paul says. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. You're turning away from him who called you in the grace grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel. And he goes on in verse 7, which is not another. He says, there's no other gospel, which is not another. But there's some who trouble you, listen, and who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. If there's ever been a day in which the gospel of Christ has been perverted, it is today. And so he warns us. He warns us. And he says, but even if we are an angel from heaven, Preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. Wow. He said, we preach the gospel. But there are those now who are perverting the gospel, which is not really the gospel. And if anybody preach a different gospel than we preach to you, let them be accursed. Then there's another warning about a false gospel. And it's found over in 2 Corinthians Verses 2 through 4. Here he's warning us. He says, now this other gospel. Look what it says. He was writing these Corinthian believers. He said, I'm jealous over you. I know you're saved. I'm your spiritual father. I was the one who preached the gospel to you. He said, I'm jealous over you with the godly jealousy. He said, I betrothed you to one husband. I led you to Christ. And you became the bride of Christ that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. And then he says, look out for a false gospel. But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his corruption, he lied. As the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, 
So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, one thing that has helped me to discern false gospels is when it becomes complicated, when it becomes a system. Paul said, I don't want you to be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Jesus. And God made it simple so no one would miss it, so everyone could understand it. And then he goes on and says, I fear, it says, if he who comes, listen, if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom has not been preached. You know, today people are preaching a Jesus that's not the Jesus of the New Testament. It's another Jesus. I'm sorry. I'll show you, why you how you can know. If someone comes preaches another Jesus, which we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel. He said, somebody is going to preach a different gospel, which you have not accepted. I'm afraid you'll put up with it. Okay. So there's a clear warning against a counterfeit gospel. A clear warning against a false gospel. There's a clear warning against another Jesus that's not the Jesus of the New Testament. You know, the amazing thing to me is how they train people to identify counterfeit bills, counterfeit money. I would think, well, how in the world do people, are, are they able to identify a counterfeit $20 bill from a genuine $20 bill? How did they do that? Wonder how they trained them. Do they take all the counterfeit bills they've ever found and show them that? No. They never even look at the counterfeit. You know what they do? They take a genuine $20 bill and say, now, this is the real $20 bill. This is what the real money looks like. Now, if you know what the real money looks like, and if you know how to identify the real money, you won't have any trouble understanding, recognizing counterfeit money. Are you listening to me? If you know the true gospel, if you know the real Jesus, you won't have any trouble spotting. It may take you a little while spotting a false gospel or, or figuring out another Jesus that they're preaching. The way to beware and to not be deceived by a different gospel, a false gospel, or a different Jesus is to know the true gospel and to know the true Jesus. So today I'm going to take the Bible and I'm going to talk, just share with you the true gospel. And it's going to come right out of the Word of God. We've been singing about it all day. All right, I'm, I'm going to go in three ways. Well, who is Jesus? Who is the real Jesus? What did the real Jesus do? What did he accomplish when he was on earth? And what is the real Jesus? the true Jesus, doing now? And what is the real Jesus going to do in the future? So what is the gospel of Christ? It's all about Jesus. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Paul, and Jesus said to them in Acts 1-8, you will be witnesses unto me. So we've got to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the first thing I would, would have you understand is this. Hebrews 13-8. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Someone comes and says, oh, I have a new revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, no, you don't. Nuh-uh. You know why? The Bible says he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. People may try to change the gospel or try to change the reality of who Jesus is, but they can't do it. And the word of God is unmistakably clear. All right, what is the gospel? First of all, Jesus had a miraculous birth. A miraculous birth. It's called the virgin birth of Christ. We sang earlier, we believe in the virgin birth. Well, why is that so important? Because Jesus had no earthly father. All right, now I want you to listen to me carefully. This is why for years people say the virgin birth is not important. They were wrong. It's the gospel. All right. Everybody born since Adam has been born with a sinful nature. Coming from the seed of man. So Jesus Christ, the last Adam, was born of a virgin called Mary, which means that while he had a body just like us, He was not born with a sinful nature. I was born with a sinful nature. Everyone born since Adam was born with a nature bent toward sin. But the virgin birth says he had no earthly father. Jesus was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit. And so therefore Jesus is the virgin born son of God. And he, has, he, he had no sinful nature. He is the last Adam. And that's found over in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 25. Go down to the end of that. Go down to the end of about, about verse 34, 35 on the screen. And uh, this is what uh, then Mary said to the angel. The angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a, a child? And, and it's, you know, she said, hi in the world. I'm not married I'm a virgin. How that? Then Mary said to the angel, uh, I, I, go back to the verse before. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. And then he goes, she, the angel says to her, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, if anybody says, well, you know, Virgin birth not important. The word virgin meant a woman, just a, just a young woman. Huh. Mary said, I know not a man. How can I have a child? The angel said, the Holy Spirit of God is going to conceive in you, the Son of God. And so I want to tell you, any gospel that denies the virgin birth of Christ, that he had, was born of no earthly father and had no sinful nature, that's not the true gospel. It's not. And so if a person denies the virgin birth, you say it's no big deal. It is a big deal because they do not believe the gospel. The second thing is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ, is this. And this is where the water, no, that's an old saying. You say where the water hits the wheel. Nobody knows what that means. This is where the rubber meets the road, okay? (laughs) The second thing about the true gospel is Jesus had a miraculous birth. But Jesus is God 
manifest in the flesh. I mean, come on. Now, the Bible says, as you'll see in a moment, that he is the son of God, perfect deity, but also, as you'll see in the true gospel, that he's the son of man, perfect humanity. But let's look at the fact that the true gospel declares that Jesus is 100% God. We come to John chapter 1, begin reading in verse 1. You've got to understand, somebody will knock on your door and they'll want to give you a track or they want to give you a book. And uh, they'll say, uh, you say, well, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. They say, we believe in Jesus, but guess what? They don't believe in the same Jesus you believe in. They don't believe Jesus is God. They say, oh, he's a God, little g, but he is not God, big G. They got a false gospel. You say, but Brother Fred, they're so faithful in knocking on doors. Hey, what do you expect the devil to get them to do? Listen to what it says. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word was with God, listen, and the Word was God. And in the Greek, it was the Word was the God. And it goes on in verse 2. It says, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 3 says, all things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. Jesus was a part of creation. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not put it out. Hallelujah. Jesus is still shining today, and the darkness will never put out the light of the Son of God. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And but look, listen to verse 14. Now you say, Brother Fred, you're telling me that Jesus is 100% God, perfect deity. Yeah, look at what it says in verse 14. And the word that was with God and the word that was the God. And let's, it says, and the word became flesh and lived among us. He lived among us and we beheld his glory. We saw his glory full of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is absolute, perfect deity. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, now listen to what he says about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Made it absolutely clear. And notice how Jesus was a part of creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, powers, principalities, powers. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. I want you to listen, look at a couple other verses. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Listen to what it says about him. God, it says, God who at different times and in different ways spoke to us to the fathers by the prophets, listen to this, has in these last days spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom, listen to this about Jesus, through whom he made the worlds. It goes on and says, and, and this is what it says, that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he by himself had purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty 
on high. And here's a verse that if you ever have a Jehovah's Witness come to your door and say Jesus is not God, this is the verse that they cannot answer. They can't answer John, but that doesn't bother them. They try to explain it away. But listen to this one. And it's in Hebrews, verse 8. Listen to what the Father says about Jesus. Hebrews 1.8. This is what he said. But you, to the Son, he says, your throne, O God. Oh, the Father says this to the Son. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of of your kingdom. You want to know a false gospel? Any gospel that says that Jesus Christ is not God, perfect deity, manifest in the flesh, it is a false gospel, it is heresy, and it leads people down the broad road that leads to destruction. But not only is Jesus Christ perfect deity, the Son of God, hey, listen, He's perfect humanity. The Son of Man. Oh, he's called the Son of Man. We read over in Matthew 18, verse 11. Listen to what he says. For the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, has come to seek and to save those who were lost. Hey, marvel of all marvels. Here, Jesus of Nazareth, conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit of God, a miraculous birth, who comes And it was 100% God and became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. But here also is Jesus, not only perfect deity, but he's perfect humanity. He's the son of man. He's the last Adam born without a sinful nature. He's the son of man. And it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, listen carefully. When Jesus, who is God, came to earth... He laid aside, are you listening, his deity, and took upon him humanity. Look at what it says. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. Now the word there is substance. Who being in the same substance as God, who is deity. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it something to be held on to, to be equal with God. But look what he did. But he made himself of no reputation. Taking upon, taking the form of a bondservant, listen, and coming in the likeness of man. So you see Jesus laid aside his deity, conceived in the Virgin Mary, taking on our humanity except no sinful nature. Now, you know, The Bible says about Jesus as the son of man, this is very important, that he lived a sinless life. You know, I get so sick of people who are ignorant, ignorant. I don't know if I ought to say that other word. I want to say it. I am not going to say it. They're ignorant. Who try to say, oh, oh, you don't understand Jesus had an affair with Mary Magdalene. You, I ain't going to say it. I mean, come on. He cast seven demons out of her. They're always trying to find some story to show Jesus having some kind of sin in his life. But I'll tell you one thing. They never have been able to and they never will. 
because he's the sinless son of God, the sinless son of man. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.14. This ought to comfort you. You say, Brother Fred, I wonder if anybody knows how it is to be tempted. Man, I'm tempted. I battle the flesh, the world, and the devil. And temptation is real. I mean, why, 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 why when God saved me, why didn't he take away all temptation? I told the Lord one time, Lord, if you, if you could save me from my sin, why couldn't you fix me so I wouldn't sin? That would have been nice, wouldn't it? He said, I didn't want any robots. I wanted people who obe- loved me and obeyed me from a heart that had a choice. But listen to what it says about Jesus. You know who understands your temptation? Seeing that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. He's in heaven representing us. And listen to the next verse. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with our weaknesses. Did you know Jesus knows all about your weaknesses? Jesus knows all about my weaknesses. And Lord, I got a bunch of them. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted like we are, read the rest of it, yet without sin. Oh, he's the son of David. He's the son of man. He is the sinless son of God. He never knew sin. Tempted in every point like we were. But never, ever sinned. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, The Father made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become righteous in him. The Father said, Jesus knew no sin, but I put your sin on him. In 1 Peter 1, 19, it says, You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Listen to this. As a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, we're looking at the true gospel. Jesus was born a virgin. He is 100% God. God became flesh and lived among us. But Jesus laid aside his deity and took upon himself humanity. It was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So he is the perfect son of God, deity, and the perfect sinless son son of man, humanity that is the gospel if he sinned he could not have died for our sin if he had sinned he could have not taken our sin upon himself all right now so that's who jesus is born of a virgin god perfect deity jesus the son of man perfect humanity Now, you know something the Bible says? How's he going to be in heaven? See, the Son, Jesus, who is perfect deity, always placed himself under the authority of the Father. He always did. And I often wondered, well, Lord, what's going to be the order in heaven? It says in Corinthians that just as it was in the beginning, Jesus would subject himself to the Father. So, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But they're all God. You say, is the Holy Spirit God? Well, He's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) He is God. 
Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you and dwell in you. Okay, so now that's who Jesus is. But let's talk about what Jesus did. We'll talk about the gospel now. Virgin born, perfect deity, perfect humanity. What has he done? He accomplished his ministry for which he came. In Matthew 18, 11, which I read earlier, he said, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save those who are what? He came to seek and to save those who are lost. You know, we all have one thing in common. There was a time when every one of us was lost. We were all lost. We were lost. Now some of us are saved. I hope most of us are saved. I hope all of us are saved. But we were lost. So Jesus came on a mission to seek and to save those who were lost. Thank God that he did because I was lost. And you are lost if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart. But I'm religious, you're still lost. But I believe in God. The devil believes and trembles. He said his mission was to seek and to save the lost. Well, how did he do it? 1 Corinthians 15, I want you to listen. It's so clear. This is the gospel. Now, listen to what Paul said. Brethren, I delivered to to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and were saved. He said, now brethren, I declare to you the gospel, the gospel of Christ, which I preached to you, you received it and you were saved. And this is what the gospel was. By which you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3. Here it is. I delivered to you that which I received. Here's the gospel. Christ died for our sins. That's the gospel. He worked miracles. That was not his main mission. He healed the sick. That was not his main mission. He taught like nobody ever taught, but that was not his main mission. Oh, that was not why he came. He came as the, to be the sinless son of man, the sinless lamb of God, to take our sins on himself and die in our place. I delivered to you how that Christ died for our sins according to to the scriptures. Then he goes on. Guess what he says? He was buried. This is the gospel. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So what has Jesus done? First of all, he died for our sins. We're all, we all were lost, are all lost, or are lost. We were lost, but now we're saved, or we're still lost. Or Of course, we're all sinners. I was born in sin. Did you know my mother never had to teach me to sin? She never called me and says, come on in, Fred, it's time for sin practice. She never had to do that. I was born a sinner. And guess what? You were too. But I wasn't as bad a sinner as somebody else. So what? A sinner's a sinner. Now, there are sins that are worse than others. But you see... Christ came to us who were lost. He came for us who are sinners, either saved sinners, forgiven sinners, washed in the blood sinners, changed sinners, no longer sinners, but new creation in Christ, or we're still lost, or we're still in our sin. Without the cross, 
there's no gospel. And that's why if a person always preaches and never gets to the cross, I'm saying to you, you better get to the cross because that's the heart of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. People say, man, listen, times have changed. Some things are not relevant. I'll tell you, there'll never be a time when the fact that Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, the sinless Son of God, went to the cross and God placed His sin on His Son, Jesus. And the wrath of God that should have been poured out on us was poured out on Jesus. That's the best news I have ever heard in my life, that Christ died for our sins. Hallelujah. Jesus said, if you don't believe I am He, you will die in your sin. Can you imagine what it is to die in your sin? Wow. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose face heaven and earth fled away. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and men were, and women were judged by that which was written in the book. Every sin they had ever committed. And those whose names were not found in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. Do you know the gospel? Christ died for your sins. And the only way you'll ever be forgiven, the only way you'll ever be washed from your sin is when you come to Jesus and repent, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and trust his finished work on the cross and ask, thank him for dying for you and taking your sins on him and receiving him. And the Bible says when we receive him, he loves us and he washes us from our sin in his own blood. I'll tell you, as I've studied this, it's like God said to me, you can preach on love, you need to. You can preach on forgiveness, you need to. You can preach on marriage, you need to. You can preach on the family, you can preach on this, you can preach on that. He said, but I'll tell you one thing, you better every time you preach, go to the cross because that's the only place that a man will ever find peace with God. You think you're going to get your marriage right if, you're not, if you've never been to the cross and been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. You're wrong. The gospel of Christ, Christ died for our sins. You know, for Hebrews 10, it says about Jesus, verse 11 through 14, he offered, and every priest stands ministry daily, offering repeated the same sacrifices, which could not take away sin. But look at this, look at the next verse. But this man, are you listening? After he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever. Jesus, I want to thank you that on that cross outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha, as you hung there, I want to thank you that you offered one sacrifice for sin forever. Hallelujah. No more blood of goats. No more calves. No more incense offerings. No more good works. You offered one sacrifice for sin forever. And you sat down at the right hand of God. That's the gospel. And it says... And in in verse 14, it says, By one offering he perfected forever those who have been sanctified. I want you to see this. I'm talking about how Jesus, by how the cross 
what Jesus did on the cross is the gospel. I want you to look at Romans 5, 6 through 10. It'll be on the screen. Now, I, I want you to get this. This shows us who we were without Christ and shows us where we were when Jesus died for us. For when we were still without strength, folks, let me tell you something. I couldn't forgive myself. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't change myself. I remember laying in the bed and saying, Lord, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I wore out the pages. I'm telling you, I turned it over and I turned it back over. Lord, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to strive harder. Forget it. I didn't have any strength to save myself. I had no ability or power to forgive myself. But for when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know one thing that keeps a lot of people from getting saved? They're too proud to admit they don't have any strength. I can do anything. I never will forget that man came down the aisle one day and he was an agnostic. He said, he said, I want you to know I'm a self-made man. And I said, you're right. God wouldn't make anything like that. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I wanted to. But I saw the day when that same man had a crisis in his life and realized how weak he was and how helpless he was. And that same man walked down an aisle with tears in his life, eyes, and said, Brother Fred, I need Jesus Christ. Glory to God. It's called the power of the gospel. And said, you know, it says, righteous men, will God even dare to die? Christ died for our, let's go on to verse 7. But God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners. Well, I tell you what I'm going to do, brother Fred. I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to straighten myself out. And I'm going to get my life in order. And I'm come to Jesus. Let me tell you something. <laughs> You'll be trying to get your, get your act together. You'll be trying to straighten yourself out and get everything right, and come to Jesus, and you'll do that and go down the broad road that leads to hell. You can't do it. You can't do it. God demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You read on in that verse, and this is how we get saved. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Much more than having been justified through his blood, we will be saved from wrath through him. And listen to this, if when we were enemies, did you know we were enemies of God? That's what the Bible says. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we'll be saved by his life. Hallelujah. You know what the gospel is? Who is Jesus? He's the virgin born, perfect deity, perfect sinless humanity, perfect son of God. Jesus of Nazareth. He was the one who died on the cross for our sins while we were lost without God and without hope. Colossians 1.16 said he made peace through the blood of his cross. Well, there's, it looks like I'm going to get one more part. And I'll have two other parts of the gospel next time. All right. What, what did he do? He died on the cross for our sins. I bet you know what the next thing is. He rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Now, if I said he died on the cross, you can go see his tomb outside Jerusalem, you'd have doubts. But let me tell you something. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 8. I read the first part, 
Look at the rest of it. It says, how Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he rose again the third day. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Now look at the next verse. He was seen by Peter. Then he was seen by the 12 disciples. And he was seen over by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part returned to the present, but some had, have, had, had fall, some have fallen asleep. Most of them, some, some of them are still living, but some of them have died since they saw Jesus. And he was seen by James, and then Paul said he was seen by me, the last of all apostles. Did you know that Jesus bodily rose from the dead? There are those who are ignorant, I'm being kind, who said no. It was his spirit that, how could Thomas want to put his finger in the print of the nails and his hand in his side? You can't do that to a spirit. No, he, he rose visibly and bodily from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. You know, and the beautiful thing about Jesus being alive, it means he's alive to live in us. He's alive to live in us. I'm crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 Nevertheless I live. Yet not I but Christ lives in me. What a promise. I'm crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. The Apostle Paul said. I gave up my religion. So that I could know Jesus in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Well, I've given you three parts of the gospel. Who is Jesus Christ and what has he done? I've given you two parts. There, there, are, three, there are three more parts. What is Jesus doing now? What is Jesus going to do? And the uniqueness of Jesus I'm going to skip over those two, and I'll come back and finish them the next time I preach on this. Now, I want to tell you the uniqueness of Jesus. Now, you want to get people upset with you? You want to stir people up in your office? You want to stir your neighbors up? I mean, I don't want you to do it. Now, you understand. I'm not asking you to. But you say to them, let me tell you something. There's only one way to be saved. There's no other way. What? You tell me a good Mohammedan? Let me, let me use that word. You telling me a Mohammedan's gonna go to heaven? You tell me a Buddhist is not gonna go to heaven? You tell me a Mohammedan's not gonna go to heaven? A Buddhist is not going to heaven? All those Hindus are not gonna go to heaven? That native in Africa who's never heard of God, he's not going to go to heaven? Are you telling me a good religious Jew is not gonna go to heaven? I'm not telling you that. The Word of God tells you that. And that is not politically correct, but who cares? I'd rather be correct with Almighty God than with every man on the face of this earth. It makes me so mad when some of these, quote, television preachers, they say, well, they always ask him this question. That guy that had about 20 wives and was on all the time, Larry King, he would always say, well, do you believe Jesus is the only way? And I would say, man, you've got a chance now. You've got a chance to lay your life on the line and speak to the gospel. And one of these preachers said, wasn't to him, but to somebody else, well, for me, he's the only way. You coward. He's a coward. 
But I don't know about other people. He just sold his soul. Listen, let me just tell you two verses. I want you to listen to this. The uniqueness of Jesus. Acts 4, 13. Now listen to what it says. Neither is there salvation in any other. Now, it, it said by the of boldness of Peter and John, but it goes on and says, and neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name, given, no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Nor is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, I'm going to take that, but I'm just going to tell you what Jesus said. All right, I'm just going to stand on it. I'm going to live on it. I'm going to go to heaven on it. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What part of that do you not understand? What part of that do theologians not understand? Jesus is the only way. There's a narrow gate and there's a narrow road. Jesus is the narrow gate and Jesus is the narrow road. There's a broad gate and there's a broad road. The narrow gate and the narrow road leads to life eternal. It's Jesus. The broad gate and the broad road leads to destruction. That's the devil and all unbelief. I'm wore out. I'm going to tell you something. If a man doesn't believe Jesus Christ is the only way and names the name Christian, he needs to fold up his Bible, turn in his ordination papers, and get a job. Because if Jesus is not the only way, he was a fool to die on the cross. If man could be saved by his good works, his own righteousness, if there was any other way under heaven, why would the Father pour out his wrath on his Son for our sin so we could be forgiven? Why in the heaven would God do that? Because he knew Jesus is our only hope. And the true gospel is there's salvation in Christ when we repent of our sins and abandon ourselves to God's mercy and receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. We get saved and we're gloriously saved and we become a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Well, I joined the church and I've never been changed. You need to be saved. Oh, no, no, but I had a good feeling when I was 10. I'm not talking about that. How you doing now? There's a false gospel, but there's the true gospel. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, born of a virgin, God who became flesh and lived among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. He's the son of man, in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. And he deliberately and willfully went to the cross, and the Father placed all our sin on him, and Jesus died in our place. He died in our place. He took our hell so we wouldn't have to go to hell. He took our wrath so we would never have to have wrath. And so he died for our sins. But God said, I want you to know, I accept his sacrifice. So God miraculously and supernaturally raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. He is alive. And he's alive with the power of to save, the power to deliver the power to forgive, glory to God for the power 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ.